Hello, my name is Reggie Young. I'm here with Chad. Chad, if you could take a quick second to explain a little bit about who you are and how you got started. Yeah, thanks for having me, Reggie. Uh, I've been in e-com now for over 15 years, uh, really with an intent of just leaving the industry better than how I found it. So I started an e-com company, D2C, on Amazon, off Amazon, selling vacuum filters, trophy filters. That eventually led me to starting Subana, uh, which we sold in April 21. I uh, co-founded The Prosper Show with three other people. We sold that in 2018. And now I'm building Prophecy, uh, which is a AI-first software company to maximize profit for private label brands without sacrificing BSR. Excellent. A really powerful short intro there. So a lot of exits. Interesting that you did like software and then like a physical live show, and then now back to software with AI. Can you can explain like some of those exits, maybe what you've learned and because I would imagine exiting from an online software company and then a physical event company, you probably learned a ton of, ton of skill sets along the way. How, how, how's that helped you, you know, either prepare for this exit or, or what have you learned along the way? Oof, so much along the way, a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of glory in between all the days, right? Building a company is not easy. And so, um, firstly. You know, we started Stubana in parallel with Prosper Show, right? So it wasn't actually one and the other. It was actually them done together simultaneously. Uh, obviously, like an exit multiple for an event company is very different from a software company. And I always just wanted to focus my energy on what's going to have the highest impact for my family and for my life. And, you know, we're here on this planet for such a short time. How do I maximize and cr create the biggest dent possible? So... Um, all the mistakes I've made have, have led me to, one, a framework to not make those same mistakes again, and uh, which has really in, been infused into my current business, Prophecy, uh, core values, mission statement, things I never want to happen again after slugging it out for all these years. That's a big one. And also taking a reset afterwards, which we were talking about ahead of the show, or I call it the great reset which is really upgrading the version of myself to redeploy resources into myself so I can come out of the experience better than how I started. Mm. I love that, the framework. And the, before we got on this call, I, I had mentioned that I saw you post about something on LinkedIn and I couldn't remember what it was, but it was that. It was actually taking time after an exit or after a major event, not to roll into the next thing. Um, and I wasn't expecting that I would do the same. Uh, when I exited my business, I was like, okay, I'm just going to, Two months later, I'm going to be live and I'll be that story that exits a year later for, you know, two, three times the cost or two, three times the, the multiple evaluation. Instead, I literally like went to an ayahuasca retreat. I like did all kinds of stuff and I had to really look at myself and I realized like, oh man, there's a lot of self-work that I need to do. And I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not there yet by any means, but I feel like being able to slow down and like take a look back at lessons learned has been really like beneficial for how I at least feel moving forward. So if you could maybe explain mm -hmm. some of those frameworks or things that, that you experienced. And, and took... uh, yeah, but I'm lighting some incense to just uh, get the vibes, to get the good vibes flowing. Yeah, everyone pick up on that. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So A, like I'm, after I exited, it's interesting, right? Because you exit, hit the wire hits your account and then you're like, now what? Yeah. And for me, a lot of my responsibilities and the people that I work with were starting to be uh, moving on from me, right? At the company that bought us, that acquired us. So I had uh, just, that was an interesting experience, right? All the people that I worked with started moving on. 
right? It's sort of like a new sheriff is in town or a new king is a new president, right? So to speak, where you're sort of clearing out the old and in with the new. And so for me, I really started growing into myself. I actually went on my own uh, journey, my own spiritual journey, my own psychedelic journey. I uh, did DJ lessons, chess lessons, spiritual breathwork, Wim Hof, holotropic breathing lessons. I was doing boxing, uh, CrossFit, uh, nutrition coach. I did all these things. I started reading and listening to all these podcasts, just consuming and, and pouring those resources back into myself. Because like as CEO or as a founder, as you know, right, you're constantly giving, right? Giving to employees, like your job is to be the opportunity creator for others. And then I was like, well, what about me? And how do I create more opportunity for myself to come away from this experience uh, with a more profound sense of um, excellence? So I did all those things. And then um, stared at a tree. I started working back on my e-commerce business to improve it because that has been, that was sort of needed a lot more love because I spent all my time on other things and was staring at a tree and then finally came up with this idea around pricing which I believe I actually went a little bit too fast into the next thing. Like I, I think I should have sat with my impatience for a longer period of time. Interesting. And uh, like looking at prophecy, I just right now I'm staring at the branding of your shirt with like the eye and like it's really solid branding. What made you, get, and I love that you said you st you're staring at a tree and you came up with the idea uh, versus like, making a spreadsheet and doing all these different things, right? Like the more of like the feeling, maybe like the feeling body versus the, mm -hmm. the logical, rational mind. Uh, could you explain why, why after doing everything you've done, why are you pivoting this way specifically? Yeah, uh, it's a logical pro progression. So during that great reset, I made a list of like eight things that I thought were good ideas. I was like keeping a journal. I was actually journaling and keeping a thought list around like, where am I stepping my toe? What problems need to be solved? What are big problems? And I made a list of all these problems. And one of the problems was my e-com company. And I noticed that margins were getting compressed. I did everything to, ch to turn this business around. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like figuring out ads, and I'm doing all these other things. But the one thing that we never touched was pricing. And I was like, hmm, I started really digging into price. Nobody talks about price. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was me sitting there staring at a tree thinking, how do I turn my e-commerce business around? Which is how I stumbled across pricing. Now, in terms of the branding, I love branding. And, um, you know, in my own spiritual quest, I had some incredible moments of going inward. And the word prophecy is a biblical word, right? It's actually, a, a, there's some divine order associated with the word. and so. Uh, prophecy is your, it's, it's like with, with a level of certainty of something that's going to happen into the future. And then a play on that word was prophets. You could see P R O F A S E E. So it all like came together uh, and it was very meaningful to me. And it was all just part of the journey. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so to kind of dive a little bit more into prophecy, it was part of that decision, you know, where AI is moving to, you want to capture part of that market and part of that growth. Yeah, so ChatGPT made AI mainstream. That's, uh, let's just say it came out November, December of 22. And I started building Prophecy of 21. I started, like I said, I was exploring all these things. I was looking into NFTs. I was looking into Bitcoin. And I stumbled across algorithms and data science. And it just, I was like smitten with it. I thought it was 
so interesting and so powerful. And I was like, okay, we are on the cusp of something really, really cool. So I started investing in AI before. Now AI is like this buzzword. And so that's, uh, and I was like, okay, well, there's so much data on Amazon to pull, to pull in, right? There's like a treasure cove of third-party sources. There's Amazon Seller Central API. There's the ads API. Like there's just so much data out there that no human being can process it. So that's really where we, uh, I was like, okay, like what if we can actually make better decisions, better than a human by building our own proprietary model mm -hmm. to optimize for the outcome that we want to achieve? In this case, it's profit maximization. Excellent. So um, with that, I'm, I remember years ago when I first started on Amazon, like 2015, 2016, there was a company that allowed you to split test your price. And everybody was kind of using it for a while. Then I felt Amazon really did this thing where if you updated your listing or if you played around too much with your price, you would get suppressed or, or lost. And then I felt like that software like blew up really well and then it just disappeared. And nobody talked about split testing actually for years until Amazon started like kind of coming out with A plus, A plus content split testing and a few other things. So how could you speak to, you know, people that would be a little bit afraid with split yeah. testing things and, you know, having a, a yeah. soft constantly be changing things while trying to, you know, do a ranking campaign or. Reggie, I love that question, man. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. So there's a lot of unique things about prophecy. And one of those things is we have actually built in suppression monitoring into the system. So when you come onto prophecy, you put in your min cost, your match cost, and your lender cost. Great. Now, one of the things that we discovered early on in our uh, work with brands, private label brands, is that many of them don't change price because of that fear that you're mentioning right now, right? Everyone's scared. Nobody knows. It's like the unknown. Like, why touch something if you don't know what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. So very similar to Facebook or Instagram, when you go onto those channels, Facebook and Instagram don't know what to serve you. If you don't have any connections, if you have no followers, if you have no likes, if you have no dwell time, the algorithm does have nothing to chew on. In that same vein, prophecy had nothing to chew on either because there's no historical information about how Amazon reacts or how your competitors react to price changes. So in the first month, we developed and trademarked something called the hyper-learning phase. And in that hyper-learning phase is we are making small adjustments to price, very small, tiny, 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 uh, between negative five and 5% to see how Amazon reacts and to see how your competitors react and to train the model based on those reactions. So that's in the first month of working with Prophecy, which is pretty, pretty dope. So it happens on a product specific level. Yeah. So every, and that's the other thing we learned is that every ASIN gets its own model. Imagine like cool. you're on, if you ever use ChatGPT right now, you have a thread, right? And you can train a thread around something. You can write in first person and train it and, and, and you can develop uh, outcomes that are all compounding on each other mm. in that we do the same thing, but we do it around models, right? So every ESIN is a unique snowflake and it gets its own model on prophecy. Wow. Its own learning. We do its own BS. Uh, we, do, we do a, a reverse ASIN lookup and find the keywords that your competitors are ranking for. We pull in those competitors and we're seeing how those competitors rank against you and how changes that we make impact could impact or don't impact and how we can maximize profitability from there. Excellent. How many different inputs do you feel like you're putting into this model at any rank time? Oh my God, like I'm talking about billions. There's so much data. And I think that's the other problem in our space is that there's information overload. There's all these companies that show you, uh, hey, like here's all the keywords and here's all this and here's these graphs. And 
and people have over analysis paralysis. And so I think the next layer of software companies, which is what I'm, I'm on this bandwagon is not just companies that help you become more efficient or populate or aggregate information to one place, but softwares that actually do the work for you and do the decisioning for you. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, you know, cause I imagine like when people talk AI, it's like the next new buzzword, like you mentioned. So how do you find a company that's, that's really doing AI instead of having like AI in their domain name or like dot AI? Um, Dude, it's, it's crazy. It's actually a really big problem. There's a lot of companies, even before AI became so buzzy, there were tons of Amazon software companies that said, yeah, we use AI and they had it in their H1 or H2 tag on their marketing website. Yeah, and sure. like you go to their employee count and you're like, wait a minute, you have no data scientists, you have no machine learning people. Like it's just marketing hype. Yeah. I've seen that across, you know, different, um, high, high level buyers, aggregators and big brand managers, like all the way up to, you know, that all the way up to, you know, I've, I've heard stories of people saying, yeah, we say AI, but then the day we're just using a Google sheet. And then you look at the back end of not even a Google sheet, an Excel spreadsheet, not even connected to any kind of cloud, uh, data. Right. So it's pretty, it's a lot of people selling snake oil out there. I feel like at the end of the day, so. I really want to ask some of these questions in terms of input. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so a few things like if then statements are rules, right. And rules are technically algorithms, right. In optically that is accurate. Okay. Now an algorithm, the thing that makes it very different in AI specifically is that it creates its own if then statements. Right. It's like one huge decision tree of if then statements that it actually makes itself to optimize for the outcome that you want to achieve. So it takes all these inputs and it's running its own equations and formulas to give you the answer and then further enhances those answers and enriches it and it compounds over time. Interesting, right. And it's kind of like a, more of like a learning, compounded learning. Oh yeah, so they evolve, they self-improve. I mean, that's the beauty of AI is like, and I think it becomes a competitive advantage, right? And I think that's, going to be a huge differentiator for prophecy is that like the more data that we get and the more that our model learns, the more that actually we're going to become more powerful as a company and nobody's going to be able to compete with us because it's actually a competitive, it's a mode. It becomes a competitive mode that others just can't have. Yeah, totally. If, if somebody wanted to get into an AI space, what recommendations would you have for somebody that maybe doesn't code or just maybe graduated from a coding bootcamp or, because yeah, my understanding is, you know, a lot of these software tech companies are usually started by people who don't know the in-depth level of, of coding and machine learning and all that kind of stuff. What, what recommendations do you have for someone in regards of whatever industry they're in to create some kind of software solution using AI and in a real way? Yeah, well, it's very expensive. It's actually double the J curve. There's like a J curve associated with software companies, which is like the negative cash flow that happens in the first couple of years. And then you start getting customers and traction and building more features. And then suddenly it goes positive. With an, a true AI first company, that J curve is actually double the expense, right? Because like most of your R&D is payroll that's in engineers. And now you're not only hiring engineers, but you're hiring data scientists and machine learning engineers on top of it. So it's, it's very expensive, which is why like Amazon hasn't had like None of the none of the Amazon softwares out today are actually true AI softwares. That's mm -hmm. like that's what I'm that's what I'm going to go out there and tell you. That's controversial. Yeah. Is that none of them are capable of self improvement? Improvement. None of them. They're just using that word, but it's really just if then statements operate on the back end. So if you're going to learn it right now, 
I would actually probably, um, I would probably spend time with data scientists and and machine learning engineers. That's and, but it also comes down to the problem, right? And I think AI is going to solve a couple problems in our space. I think it's pricing, right? Just like Uber search pricing has different pricing. Uh, they have an algorithm that changes and day parts pricing throughout the day. Uh, so pricing for sure. Uh, PPC, like real, real AI driving PPC, not where you like come up with targets and like it's not said. a cow. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these softwares don't even account for inventory or CODs, uh, which is fascinating to me. Um, content, which we're already seeing with ChatGPT, which we can get into if you'd like, and also demand planning and forecasting. Yeah, it's just huge. It's just a lot to think about. I feel like when it comes to entering a space like this, and it just gets my wheels turning. To be honest, hmm. what would you say is like some of the biggest challenges you're facing right now building out prophecy with where you're at? Because I feel like this came out on the market it's in the Amazon space. A lot of people are talking about it. Um, what challenges are you facing, and how do you plan on overcoming them? Yeah, so. Okay. That's a great question. And by the way, there's no short, I'm not trying to paint a picture that there's no shortage of mistakes that were made. Like I made all this framework of not making certain mistakes and I'm making new mistakes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> prophecy, we launched super early. We launched in, uh, July of 22, uh, July of 22. And I was like, you know what, we need to just get this product out there and we need to see how people react to it. Right. We need to see what our customers see. We just like push it out into the market. We pushed it out to the market and we had a lot to, to learn. It was an experiment. And some of the learnings uh, that we had was like AI can't run by itself, right? You need to actually supervise it. Or else, well, uh, like it's kind of like uh, there could be anomalies or black swans that happen that you're not aware of. So you need to constantly kind of keep boundaries and cultivate the AI. So that's one thing. Every ASIN got its own unique algorithm. That was another learning. Hyper-learning, um, the hyper-learning phase where we oscillate and change pricing to see so that the, the, the algorithm has more to chew on so we can train it. Those are all learnings that happen in the process. So we actually ended up taking a very quick break, a hiatus, uh, maybe nine weeks to upgrade and to listen to the customers, but also to implement those changes into our framework, into our decisioning processes, into the algorithm. Um, and uh, we're actually doing like, we're, we're, we're doing amazing for our clients right now, which I'm really excited about. I was actually in a little bit of a, of a trough, right? Because when you have this idea and you see like some pushback and you see that there's some embarrassment, then the fear kicks in and the shame kicks in. And you're like, wait a minute, how do I turn this thing around? How do I move quick? How do I break things and how do I improve? And we, we've been able to do that, which I'm really excited about. Do you, have, uh, do you pull any type of uh, data points off of Amazon or is it all Amazon-based inputs? So, so, we, so when you onboard, you connect into the Amazon API, the SP API, uh, the Seller Central API, and the Ads API. So we're pulling in every input that you would think is important to a model. Mm -hmm. uh, we're pulling in sessions. We're pulling in conversion rate data. We're pulling in your price. We're pulling in your reviews, the mm -hmm. quantity of the reviews, the recency of the reviews, uh, your click through from PPC perspective. Uh, the only thing that you have to put in into our system is your landed cost and your min and max price. You give us some boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
And then from a third-party perspective, right, we need to then go ahead and do reverse ASIN lookups and, and, and pull data from competitor sets. And we're pulling in their revenue, their units sold, their BSR. I forgot to mention BSR. I'm just giving you like, I'm just trying to sharing all the things oh, yeah. that you need influence. to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you're balancing uh, through this. And what would you say, like someone who's interested in using Prophecy, at what point would it make sense? What the people, would you recommend launching with a software like this or is it more? Because I would no, imagine yeah, yeah, so, then to find that price at launch would be different, right? When you have, when you're less than a hundred reviews or, uh, you know, your campaigns are all over the place with a higher ranking budget. What would you say to something like that? Yeah. So we're not a life jacket. Like we're not here to help you in, at least right now, we don't actually help get you higher ranking on Amazon. Our model is optimized to maximize your profit without affecting your competitive positioning. Mm. That is our exclusive focus. Yeah. So if, if you want to harvest more money. And we do it, right? We change pricing. It's not that one price is the answer, right? Pricing to me is not one size fits all and it's a living, breathing number. So the price today uh, is different than maybe the price yesterday or the day before. So uh, so we want to work with brands that are doing over a half a million in revenue all the way up, mm -hmm. right? Who want to actually, who, who ex are experiencing value leakage, who want to make right. more money. Totally. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, also exiting, you've exited multiple companies. I help people exit their business. This could be something I feel like you want to plug in right before exit or right after you have a roadmap, you acquire a business. You're like, how do I add value? This could be one of the easy ways of plugging in and immediately finding that perfect price point of something that probably wasn't split tested for more than a year plus with new competitors coming in in the market, different PPC costs, et cetera. So this, I think, could be a huge unlock for a lot of brands out there. Yeah. So let's do some quick math, right? A garlic press. Garlic press, let's just say the price is $14.97, okay? $14.97. Let's just say that you increase the price by a dollar. Now, that's not always the optimal decision, right? Because there's this flywheel effect on Amazon. And there's something I call a knock-on effect. The price today affects your orders tomorrow, right? But let's just assume for a second you increase your price by a dollar. So you go to $15.97 and, and you take all, all, out all the Amazon fees you now are experiencing a 1% increase in price. You can experience a 12% unlock on profit for one ASIN, okay? So 12% increase in profit. Let's just say it's $3,400 a month. You annualize that. Now you're talking about 41, roughly $41,000 of profit for one ASIN. Great. Right. But now, especially in your business where you're helping people exit, well, I don't know what the going enterprise uh, multiple is right now, but you apply, let's just say a conservative 4X multiple on that. That's $163,000 unlock right. on a price change. <laughs> and done automatically, always working for you. It's done automatically because like, again, it's not always like a lot of people say, oh, just increase your prices, but increasing pricing isn't actually the optimal decision, right? And if you want, we can play that forward. Right. Right. So if you lower price on Amazon, what happens? Lower price. Maybe you have more demand. You increase your velocity, which offsets a lower price, which means you're, make, you're making more absolute profit dollars. And perhaps your BSR is thus increased. And now you're not renting, right? You're not, you're not on borrowed land anymore on PPC, but you're actually owning the land because of in, you're increasing your organic placement and you're reducing your PPC spend. Mm -hmm. So that's how complex this is. And no human brain can process it. But if you wanted to do it manually, I'm happy to walk through, you know, the audience around like, okay, how would we, 
how can we maybe establish it? Because I was doing it manually initially. Yeah, that sounds exhausting, to be honest, to try and do it <laughs> manually. Because it's like, I would, I would imagine it's like walking around with a blindfold on. Maybe just We really just have like an idea of what maybe could be done. It, it makes me think about when I was a number six best-selling chef, I think it was like 2017. And uh, I stocked out. I was at, selling at $39. I stocked out right on December 6th. Dude, it was a mm-hmm. six best-selling chef knife on, on uh, December 6th. I could not get back in stock. I tried dropping my price, split testing. I calculated like a 65K like re-rank launch. And I was like, ah, I, I can't afford this right now. But if I had a software tool that would maybe help me identify like a better price for the long term, that would have been much more beneficial because at the time, there's just the solutions that weren't there. Like you said, there's just too many things to consider um, to put on one spreadsheet or, or one decision. Totally. And by the way, I think that those split testing tools were really just early in their time because what yeah. is AI? I mean, a split test is a rule, right? You're saying, well, if, if this conversion is higher, show this, or if this is more sessions, show this. And what AI is doing is just autom- automating that and, 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 and failing quicker, learning from those mistakes and smarts to then show the proper thing that's going to optimize for whatever you're trying to optimize for that A-B test. Excellent. Yeah. To, to, Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, too, I, I mean, yeah. they paved the way for me, these, these A-B testing softwares. Yeah, for sure. And they definitely get people interested who have already maybe initially start split testing something. Uh, and one thing I like about using a software like this is you don't probably have to manage it. Whereas like a lot of other split tests, you, you have to record, like I made this change on this day. That stuff is pretty exhausting when you're trying to operate a business. So just being able to plug into something, flip a switch, and then let it find the, the best price for you for your profit. And it just makes sense too, right? When you're thinking about you want to, you just exited multiple businesses. You're trying to find what's going to provide the highest value to you and your family. Then you think about your experience in Amazon and it's the same thing. Like you drive everything back to profit. Well, overlaying a massive emerging market with AI, your software experience, everything you've built out, it just makes sense to go down this venture, both from a business operations standpoint and from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So I really love uh, the whole journey of where you've, where you're at right now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving it too, man. Uh... I'm loving it as well. Sweet. Yeah. So with that, Chad, if anyone's interested in getting in contact with you or Prophecy, where can they go about doing that? So yeah, you can reach, first of all, my personal email is chad at prophecy.com. That's C-H-A-D at prophecy, P-R-O-F-A-S-E-E.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, posting thoughts often. Uh, I'm trying to post as much value as I can and share with the community. Uh, Twitter as well. I'm starting to get into Twitter, so you can find me on Twitter. You know, wherever you spend time, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much there trying to yeah. support the community and, and build community and also give, but also learn at the same time. Yeah, totally. And I, I would encourage everyone to follow him. He does have a pretty big following base and you're always dropping some good, good heat uh, on social media. So appreciate that. <laughs> and I'll link down to everything down below. Again, thanks, Chad, for coming on the show and uh, take care. Yeah, thanks for having me.